We officially have our Fantastic Four. The X-Men have arrived in the MCU, and we review Madam Web and everything else you need to know about the universes you love right here on the Direct Podcast. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the vengeance. And I am Iron Man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome on, and welcome back to the Direct Podcast. I am your host, Matt Rimke, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, friend, box office correspondent, senior editor at thedirect.com, Mr. David Thompson. David, are we excited to talk about everything you need to know about the universes you love? I've never been more excited to talk about everything you need to know. This is going to be a fantastic episode it's so lopsided. I absolutely love it. It was an incredible week for Marvel last week. Just the ups, the downs, the Sony of it all. And I can't wait, man. Um, this past weekend, I was in Washington, D.C. Such a cool city, by the oh. way. Just walking around. My, my brother my brother now lives uh, nearby there. So it was freezing cold. But we did make it down, you know, Washington uh, Monument. And man, did did someone walk by. It was a group of girls. We're walking along the reflection pool towards Lincoln, and I had already made a Spider-Man Homecoming reference, of course. Homecoming? Yeah, Homecoming. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, well... Is where my mind would have gone. I'm sorry, go ahead. Who are we talking to here? Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) But but here's the thing, speaking of different minds, this is what I'm getting to. I'd already made a, a Homecoming reference to Jasmine, and she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, shut up. And then... We're walking by, even though she later steals it for social media and like says something about Tom Holland. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, because I remind you of that. We're walking down and it's like a group of like five girls. And one girl out of them goes, hey, look, that's the monument where Tom Holland was in Spider-Man No Way Home, she says. Yeah. And I'm Hell like, yeah. that's awesome. And I just kept walking. I'm like, I love that. You know, just, just you love it. Th- there's some kind of home in the title. Just throw something out. Tom Holland washington monument i'm happy people mm-hmm. think of that now when they are walking wow. in washington dc <laughs> it's so great it's a shame what happened down there in dc um it's one of my favorite videos that uh uh shout out liam crowley uses anytime something bad happens with a dc movie he just does the michael keaton it's a shame what happened down there in dc <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very funny. funny um we are here uh dc was nice good food i've heard just the best food yeah, we had uh we had we had a really good uh we went to a really good Italian place in Georgetown. The pizza was really good. We also got a we went to a Mexican restaurant that was phenomenal. They had like nice. homemade tortillas and all that, and that I'm, I'm a sucker for that. The homemade tortillas you go to a Mexican restaurant, they have and they have like their own house hot sauces, things like that. Great stuff. I I'm very, in a peculiar well. I'm in a peculiar situation with that kind of stuff because I love. When people say that they love to travel, it's it's always kind of funny to me because like, well, yeah, like, <laughs> who's like going on vacation? You know what I mean? Like, that sounds fun. Yeah. But my favorite part about traveling is different foods and stuff. Um, right. And I have put myself in a peculiar situation where this summer I'm moving back to Indiana and I couldn't be mm-hmm. more excited because all my nieces and nephews are there. My family is there. My little brother is going into his third year of high school basketball. So I'm excited to be around for that. That's fun. This, that, the other. Um, but I lived in Denver for 
six years. Great food. You know, very specific, but good food. Um, I've been in California for the past nine months and it, very confident that Mexican food is ruined for me for the rest of my life. Like, right. I, I will never find Mexican food as good as stuff out here. It's incredible. <laughs> Even in Mexico, the Mexican food is not this good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to Europe for three weeks right. where I'll be in Paris and Italy and Munich eating all this amazing food. And then I'm moving back to Indiana where where the non-American food is traditionally not the best. Right. So it'll be very interesting to see how I adapt to that palate wise, you know. Yeah, I was gonna I was about to ask if Indiana is known for any type of uh specialties. Yeah, the uh the uh uh tenderloin sandwich. Are you familiar? No. It's like so a steak it, sandwich. Yeah, it, it's a it's a fried tenderloin. So it's a big fried uh you can get like a uh chicken chicken fried steak or just regular tenderloin whatever but in indiana they're huge like like they're bigger than my head and then they give you a regular size bun so it's fork and knife fork and knife and then you have a sandwich yeah that's (laughs) that's kind of our go-to it's very it's very fun indiana i mean shout out indianapolis fucking what a great weekend with all-star weekend um about to have the combine NFL combine coming up here very shortly yeah. next week crazy it's insane how soon it is right yeah yeah um i don't know how you don't give Halliburton the mvp there it's weird weird move you know i, I know dame, dame got went, it right i know dame yeah. went off but like it's not like he was that much better than Halley. give it to the hometown guy why not it was he he stole the show all weekend um yeah kenny smith talk less I don't know. <laughs> you didn't have to talk over that. I don't think, but yeah, but I like the we'll commentary uh, over the dunk contest because it I, he was being critical in like all the right ways. I thought that is great, but when the first time ever we get a woman doing the three point competition, she did just as good as every single three point shooter not named Steph Curry. Yeah, maybe the first thing you say shouldn't be, "Yeah, she should have shot from the women's line." You know, I know. You see, you see what happens. Like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, that was a weird move. Like, wild move. We're watching it. Me and my brother. Uh, you know, we were all excited. It's like, oh, cool. We're together to like watch the you know All Star Saturday night. Something we've always really you know enjoyed. Yeah, it's always so much fun. And I'm like, and I'm hyping this thing up. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the first time we're doing this. Like, uh, WNBA player. I'm like explaining to everyone because I'm the one that like kind of is more most locked into sports. Obviously, between you know. <laughs> our two wives Jasmine. and my brother yeah <laughs> so i'm explaining like who sabrina is and like how she has her own shoe line and how she like set the record and they set it on the tv and i'm like see i told you and right <laughs> after it happened though I, you know what's funny is i didn't even hear kenny talk initially because i was talking i'm yeah. like bring dame out i'm like this is silly i i was going on a whole diatribe about how dame doesn't deserve that award not only yeah. does he not deserve it because he, he sure he beats his competitors, but not only did Sabrina tie him after one round, but Steph like went nuts, okay. you know. And it's like, it, it, it to me the only problem with that was that it, it to me it took away from Dame's victory because it it sure. felt like it felt like it was it felt like JV almost. It felt like weird we had to the, do that next. Exactly. Exactly. Weird. Yeah. I same, I, weird dude on the same day. Honestly, right. Do it Sunday. Do it Sunday. Do it at halftime. You know, I don't know. Halftime would have been a great time to do it. Yeah. That would have been awesome. I it's mean, like I it's d- Steph's. It's the first time Steph's not an all-star starter in what? Eight years. <laughs> right. 
give him a halftime show. To be fair, I do think the NBA could start going the way of the NFL with like mini games and stuff more so because the game sucked this year. Um, it, it, like it was, I stopped watching it. Um, I, I started watching the Patriots Dynasty documentary on Apple TV Plus because I was like, I'm so bored, and it was a blowout, and like no one really cared. Um, I think next year though, and we can move off sports here soon, but I love doing it at the opening. Um, because we, you know, it's creative ideas. It's not just like sports talk. I think next year, for entertainment purposes, they should just open up the NBA three point contest to WNBA players, and it should be <laughs> Serena Noesco, uh, Caitlin Clark, and whomever else is a really good three-point shooter because Sabrina Nuesco, or Nuesco, however you pronounce her last name, I mean, she proved, she, she shot from the three-point line, the NBA three-point line, and proved that it is a, it is a flat-line competition with men and women for three-point shooting, you know? And that's awesome. Like, well, let's do it. And she was, she was killing it. Like, she, yeah. she had the highest score of anyone in the actual contest, like, tied with it. And that's so impressive to me. Like that, that to me just showed like this shouldn't just be like a specialty event. We should just open it up to WNBA players as well. Well, he, she proved it to everybody, but Kenny Smith. <laughs> Wild exactly. fucking move, dude. That was crazy. Well, um, it, it was like he thought she could. I don't know. It, I agree. Wild move to to be so just. You see, that's why she should have shot from the women's line. Like she lost by two. And she just and she did phenomenally. Steph's unreal. You know, like he's just unbelievable. He could win the competition every year. And that's what was the problem I thought took away from the actual three point contest. I just sat through like five rounds of. It's especially weird when like Steph didn't need to do that. That's the most lose lose situation for Steph Curry ever. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like he he wins. No shit. He loses mocked. Right. Which is lame. But like still that weird. And what a. I love how he did it, though. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, know? yeah, no. I mean, like, it's Steph. I mean, come on. He's not going to lose. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's so cool. Like It's like it, the Mahomes thing. Like, you know, th- he was going to go get as many points as he needed, no matter what. I would have loved, like, in retrospect, it's, it is kind of like the Super Bowl, like who goes first. I would have loved to see Steph go first. Because um, I think he makes a couple less because he doesn't have that, like, switch flip in his well, head. Well, you don't have the line. Yeah. When he saw 26, he's like, all right, shit. Like. I got a lock in here. I think I think he probably makes a couple less, and then Sabrina might have actually beaten him if she'd gone second. Is it the worst thing ever to have them each start at a corner and then go? What do you like at the same time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you can't do that. Why? You could do it opposite sides of the court. The balls could connect. Opposite side of the court is a really good idea. Opposite side of the court would be really opposite cool. side of the court is an awesome idea, actually. Yeah, because I mean, on- then you got to switch. <laughs> that could be a part of it you know just a little halfway you're going to the other side (laughs) no one not runs quite like stuff yeah that's true (laughs) all right gentlemen that is sports talks shout out patriot zach 12 who's big fan of his podcast that um he said he loves his sports talk which is very fun oh thank you shout out you zach i mean it's patriots fan so shout out as much as we can ladies and gentlemen we have a lot to get to today this is a big episode um it's all marvel so just strap in for that and uh i say we dive into it right now everything you need to know about the universes you love that's slander it is not i resent that slander is spoken in print it's libel all right here we go everything you need to know about the universes you love all marvel news today because marvel decided madam webb's coming out 
it's not a Marvel Studios project. It's a Sony project, but it's all under the Marvel banner, right? So they're like, okay, what can we do to balance the reaction of Madam Web with excitement for the MCU? Deadpool trailer, sure. Deadpool posters, multiple of them. Yeah. Sure. Blake Lively wearing the Deadpool poster on her wrist. Official Fantastic Forecasting, X-Men trailer, everything else that you could possibly want from the future of the MCU. It was a beautiful thing. Let's talk about the rollout real quick. Yeah, <laughs> you know let's I mean? do it. We're going to talk about the official Fantastic Forecast. And we're going to talk about the X-Men 97 first look and first teaser trailer. But David, to do what they did <laughs> leading up to Valentine's Day, leading up to the Madam Web premiere. Genius, right? Like, yeah, like that's that's what we're looking for. Hundred percent. Um, it was truly incredible the way that they <laughs> released Fantastic Four. Just to start there, I mean, this was like we cannot brush over the fact that this was a casting announcement that has been in the making for four, five years at this yeah. point. Um, I mean, they announced they talked about Fantastic Four. I think in twenty nineteen, or mm-hmm. and if not twenty twenty, for sure at the events uh, investor day. So. Right. I mean, this has been truly in the works. We had John Watts. Now we have Matt Shackman and getting this casting announcement and doing the Valentine's Day card. I thought it was perfect. I thought that everything about how they announced this showed us the vibes and the tone of this movie. And that was awesome. And then just releasing X-Men like we're already in this mutant area now this x-men era with deadpool Mm -hmm. and they just double down on that like at the end of the day this was marvel disney marvel studios being like hey remember when we bought fox here are all those characters now right we now have these characters let's start showing them off and i was celebrating it i thought it was phenomenal and i and good for them um amidst Madam Web being released and people not understanding the difference between M- and that that's been a, obviously one thing the last two weeks have shown me how many people actors in the industry fans of the content do not know the difference between MCU and Sony Marvel and I think mm-hmm. with the MCU people kind of being more anti MCU the last couple of years that's only added to it and I thought this was a very shrewd smart move. Um, by Kevin Feige, Bob Iger, whoever was involved um, with these announcements. Yep, I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, Let's get into it. The official cast, which I think we talked about this exact uh, lineup a month or so ago. Yeah, heavily rumored, heavily rumored. Right, which, you know, there's been an insane amount of individual character casting, but also like group castings that have been heavily rumored as definitely going to be the case, right? Yeah. Like Adam Driver was a favorite for the longest time. Yes. And, and the Mila Kunis saga and all these. Margot Robbie. Things. Margot Robbie. Oh. And who's to say they aren't they weren't offered. That's the thing. This this has been quite the process. But I this is what we Margot. got. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Margot Robbie. I'm happy I with that. Jamie here. Presley. You know who Jamie Presley is? No. She is. Um. My name is Earl. <laughs> you ever see My Name is Earl? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> like a sitcom wow, or something? That's crazy. Yeah, it's a USA uh, show. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, Margo yeah, yeah. looks a lot like Jamie Presley. Oh something gosh, I realized yeah, right. yesterday. Okay. Um, shout out Jamie Presley. 
Um, definitely the first Jamie Presley mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> you know, like o- almost 300 episodes. It's definitely the first time we talked about <laughs> Jamie Presley. Um, but uh, here we go. Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic, will be played, of course, by Pedro Pascal. Uh, Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman, his wife, will be played by Vanessa Kirby. Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, will be played by Joseph Quinn. And Ben Grimm, the Thing, will be played by our boy, our guy, cuz, Bon Moss, Bachrock. I mean, I couldn't be happier with it, honestly. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, um, please do. Joseph Quinn has been my favorite for Johnny Storm for quite some time. Um not that I didn't love the idea of Efron, not that I didn't love the idea of um, way back in the day, like a Harry Styles kind of situation. Hmm. Um, but from an age standpoint, I think Joseph Quinn kind of rocks it. We're very familiar with him from Stranger Things. So like there is that kind of, oh, that guy from Stranger Things. Like, and we know him as a high schooler, right? Not to say that, you know, he's definitely going to be a high schooler in this. He could be, but, you know, he has yeah. a youthful presence about him. Um, I think that I'm excited to see him do 60s handsome. Um, he's I mean, we're going to talk about, um, you know, cuz, but <laughs> like, I think Joseph Quinn's like my favorite one because. Wow. Just simply because like he I've only seen him in the one thing. And he's yeah. so scene stealing in that. Right. And I'm excited to see him capitalize on that momentum moving forward um, off of Stranger Things three. Uh, yeah, that was Stranger Things 4, actually. Yeah, so 5 is the next one. Yeah, final. Off of Stranger Things 4, where, you know, it was such a monumental, uh, you know, series streaming event. Yes. I'm excited to see Joseph Quinn capitalize in this role that I think he does blend well in, but also it's so different than his Stranger Things character. It, right. It's, it's, it's literally the opposite of yeah. the Stranger Things character. Yeah. And I'm excited to see that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so he's the one I'm actually most dubious and nervous about of the cast. So I'm happy that you're so you're dubious. I, I am. I'm not. Oh, man, dubious. I'm dubious. And what a word. The re- <laughs> great word. I love using great dubious. Word. Um, the reason I am is because exactly what you just said. Like his character, Eddie Munson in Stranger Things, is totally not this character, and I loved him as that character. I'm curious how he's going to be in A Quiet Place, this new Quiet Place movie coming Uh out. And good on his agent, man. This guy is soaring. I mean, he's now Johnny Storm. This is is a cocky, arrogant, like, incredible character. And he's the only one that I'm interested to see kind of how he plays it. I am still so excited about the cast overall. But he is the one that has the biggest, I would say, question mark over for me. Check out this headshot I'm sending you real quick. Okay. Of Joseph Quinn. Yeah. His, I com- I completely forgot his name was Eddie Bunsen in that movie. Eddie, yeah. Good looking <laughs> like, guy, by the way. Huh? Good looking dude. I mean, look at that headshot. Like, that is preppy, jock, fucking, like, it's right on. It's dead perfect. But Eddie You're... Munson, he's got the emo hair. Oh, yeah. He's got the shaved face. He's skinny. You know, it's the it's, devil it's horns these... and the tongue out. Yeah. yeah and, he, and he's just so good. I just, I, I'm excited for him to bring all of that charisma. But also like that, because like here's here's how I look at the Johnny Storm character in the two Fantastic Fours that we've gotten. Chris Evans, I think, was great for an early 2000s comic book movie. Love him. You know what I mean? But I don't think I don't think I'm going to offend anybody. I know people like to get offended when not everybody they like is perfect. But 
there wasn't a lot of depth to Johnny Storm in those Chris Evans Fantastic Four movies. He yeah. was cocky. He was funny. He was a womanizer. That was kind of it. You yeah. know what I mean? The sister relationship was great. But yes. But then you go to the Michael B. Jordan one. And it was very, you know, hard headed, angry, hothead, uh, hard headed, the, the hothead version. And which is a great aspect of Johnny Storm. But he was missing the charisma, I think. You know, it's Michael B. Jordan, miss a little crows. But I think that, you know, <laughs> one of them was one side of the coin and the other one was the other side of the coin. I think that Joseph Quinn has already proven, at least to me in Stranger Things, he can do both. He can be funny and charismatic. He can be charming in a weird, awkward kind of way. Put him in a fucking Letterman jacket and see how fucking hot he gets. Right. Yeah. And, but he also has played dramatic and scared and terrified. Like, and, and I know it was goofier in Stranger Things. I think he can do both really well and give him a vehicle to extrapolate that. I'm pumped. Dubious is like, that's going to stick with me for a long time. That you came <laughs> in with dubious. I, I'm, I'm worried now. Now I'm dubious. No, no, no. Don't be. I mean, I do think that I'm still very excited. I'm just saying of like, I, there are a couple of here of choices on here. I am good point. so excited about. Um, so with that being said, I do think that Joseph Quinn and what I've seen in Stranger Things, he can do those softer moments mm-hmm. like we were missing in previous iterations, yes. like he has with the crew, you know, near the end of that of that season. And mm-hmm. I think that that is something that is going to be very key for this movie and something that's very key for the MCU in general is kind of these heroes, characters having that range, you know, like, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is the ultimate example but even mm-hmm. a guy like Chris Hemsworth in Thor, like the range he's able, he's been able to have over his career. That's the ultimate. Like, yeah, exactly. Because it's evolved over time. So I, I am excited for Joseph Quinn in that sense, because I do think he will be able to be a great, you know, the brother character. There's so many aspects of these characters. You have to nail the brother character uh, in those dramatic moments. I'm, I'm excited about. Um, I guess it is more so the Chris Evan aspects that I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah, I and, you know, I don't want to get into it too much, but like Henry Cavill's being fan cast as a lot of X-Men right now, both Cyclops and Wolverine. And um, I I just do think like there is an inherent you can't teach it charisma that's required in an MCU movie. And, and again, it's not saying you have to be funny at all times. Like Steve Rogers isn't like making jokes ever no. in the MCU. But like he has a charm and a charisma that makes I understand that reference. And yeah, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, the the wanna play a game bit. Yeah, I know, I've seen it. And and all that stuff. Like I can do this all day. I know, I know. Like he's got that, you know, just like exactly effortless charm to him charm. that I think is yeah. required in a lot of these softer roles, like Cyclops and Wolverine. Like soft might be not the right word but they're not like energetic funny characters right right so like you have to have that effortless thing to them i think joseph quinn can bring that to a character that is supposed to be charming and funny and all these different things and i think he's gonna be playing off a hell of a cast and we've said for a long time david that chemistry is the most important thing in this movie like individual castings obviously is very important but how they work together, I think, is what made this such a long, drawn out process is because you got to get the chemistry right. Yeah. So that brings me to Vanessa Kirby. I only know Vanessa Kirby from action movies, Hobbs and Shaw and Mission Impossible. I didn't watch The Crown, um, which mm-hmm. I think is like what she's most famously known for. But from what is I've that seen, right? her, I believe so. Oh, I didn't know that. 
I've only I I'm like right there with you. I've only seen her in Mission Impossible. I I only mainly know her from Mission Impossible. Um right. and I guess Hobbs and Shaw, but I forgot she was in that until just now. <laughs> she is stunning. Um she's the white widow in Mission Impossible and I love that character. Mhm. Absolutely. And I think because of what I've seen from her in those movies, I know she can be a dominating presence. I know she can play with the boys, I guess, and you know in a sense. Like she's not going to be overshadowed at any moment. Yeah, the crown, you're right. The the biggest thing for Sue Storm is that she is mother motherly and like uh you know very much a nurturing character but at the end of the day she's the badass like right. like out of the four she's the badass she's the most powerful one she's the one that is like the pseudo leader of the team when reed eventually will lose his shit which is what right. he will do right i think her dominating presence gives me such a great high floor for her that you know she crushes one or two emotional beats we're off to the fucking races with Sue Storm. Like she, she could really be the main lead of this movie. Um, that will very much also be just like a fa- Guardians level fantasy, uh, a family ensemble situation. I hope she is the main lead. Um, I think I know it's been a long rumor that it that Sue is being written Invisible Invisible Woman is being written as the main lead, and it's not going to be um Mister Fantastic, which is pretty cool and kind of surprising now that we have Pedro coming in. But that being said. I love Vanessa Kirby and everything I've seen her in. I think she looks the part. I think she can definitely act the part. And you're right. There's so many aspects of Sue Storm you have to get right. I mean, more than really any of them, you know, because she is kind of the linchpin of the group in many ways. She is the sister. She is the wife, you know, the the, the love interest in many ways. And then also being a leader and brilliant and these awesome powers, like Invisible Woman's powers are the so most cool. powerful. Like, it's insane. Yeah. and. I think she's going to I think she's going to be wonderful. I think she's going to be fantastic in it. She she was the one. She, <laughs> she was the one. <laughs> had to do it. Had to do it. Um she was the one I was most excited about um yeah. going into this. I think my 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 excitement level has kind of flipped because of some recent developments in my own watching uh my own viewership of certain shows. Um but Vanessa Kirby since she was first kind of rumored to be, you know, up for the role I always saw that. And ever since learning about that, I've been all in on this character for her and I can't wait to see it. It's going to be great. And, you know, just based on the artwork, which is, is such good poster as a graphic designer, I thought that was such a well done poster. Um, yeah. Hand drawn, I believe, or hand, you know, whatever you yeah, call it. No, illustrated for sure. Illustrated. Um, which was, it was just great. It was concept art brought to a poster, which is always something I enjoy. We need um, more of that, please. I mean, so cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Seeing their faces and everything. Awesome. It's really, and it gave us a good look at Joseph Quint, too. You know what I mean? Like, what he, because he's not any monster. <laughs> um, right. Still can't believe they named him Monster in a scary movie. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, Vanessa Kirby and Pedro look so good together. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think Pedro could look good with anybody, but like, they, they, they have that look about them. Like, they look like a great couple. And I know until we see it on screen, you know, it doesn't mean shit, right? You know, like, because anybody could look like a great couple, but like Teller and Kate Mara, like, no, no chemistry between those two at no. all. In I don't even remember the chemistry in that movie. Like, I don't remember it's almost, them. It's nearly non-existent. But what yeah. I love about the Pedro Pascal casting, we may have talked about this when he was originally cast. We've seen him play such like a straight man, militarian like, you know, badass for so long in both Mando and The Last of Us. 
we're going to get to see like organic Pedro Pascal, that very awkward, quiet, giggly nerd that he is. Like, like he, like for, for those who don't know, go check out a few Pedro Pascal interviews. He is very shy and nervous. Oh yeah. And, you know, having fun as much as he can. Not so much because like he thinks everything needs to have fun, but that's how he's most comfortable when people are vibing a little bit. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. P- Pedro goes from like, kind of quiet to then mm-hmm. kind of leaning into more of like his i would say kind of eccentric or like kind of like weird personality where like he he can't just be in between you know what no. i mean he he almost has to like lean into like being kind of uh all the jokes and and mm-hmm. like almost trying to be like a like a like a laughing stock in a good way um because that's how he, it, it's um, yeah exactly like it's almost like a defense mechanism kind of thinking about it because you're right like the, when his guard is down he is kind of like a like soft-spoken guy which you would never think mm-hmm. seeing Pedro Pascal perform you would never think that's his personality right and I'm really excited to see him play that balance between like scientists and very serious and about the mission this that the other but at the end of the day Reed Richards just kind of doesn't know how awkward he is sometimes. And that's what makes him such a great character. And I can't wait to see that shine through in a weird way. I think we're going to get to the Viper more than we have with Pedro Pascal in so long because he's going to get to have fun with it. Like he was definitely having fun with the Viper, but when it needed to get real, it got fucking real. You know what I mean? So I'm excited to see him get to step out of his comfort zone by stepping into his comfort zone a little bit. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, Look, Pedro is he's the leading actor in the movie, theoretically. You know, he was the one that the report came out and it seems like they Disney decided we're going to give you all this money. Please do this. You know, like we, we want you. He didn't have the audition. I mean, he might have had some kind of tests. Who, who knows? We don't know the whole behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, it kind of seemed like from my perspective that the other three pieces were kind of in place and they weren't sure for Mr. Fantastic. They weren't sure for Reed. And they were like, Pedro, you know, you're an I would say definitely an out of the box casting compared to the other three. The other three you could see would be easy marks for these characters for Pedro Pascal is a wild card. I mean, it's just you cast Pedro Pascal as Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards. That is a wild decision. I mean, so many people had him marked for Marvel roles that were not Reed Richards. Right. And that's what's so fascinating to me because he's going to bring something new. He's going to bring something different to this role that no one was really anticipating. And I hope it works out. I do think the fit is definitely interesting. You know, Pedro, I personally, I would have never fan casted two, three, four years ago, Pedro as Mr. Fantastic, just because I wouldn't have thought that out that far outside of the box. But now that it's happening, and now that he kind of gets to use this charisma and this charm, and we get to see him and Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm in love and this dynamic and and him with cuz. Um God, I just I can't wait for all the dynamics because you want to talk about someone who just exudes charisma on the big screen and can play off of anyone. And I think that's going to be a really exciting thing heading into this movie um, for Pedro. And, you know, it's a big, big thing like people on the Internet. God, I hate comments. Reed Richards isn't Latino. I hate you, by the way, if you if you tweeting this out, it's like, holy shit, that aspect of the character does not matter, you know? And you I know think what those people need to do, huh? Long walk, short pier. <laughs> yeah. Stop listening to this podcast. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I don't think anyone that would be in the in the comment section listens to this podcast. But that being said, it's like that's crazy that that's what some people jump to in terms of like it might be a miscasting. 
Whereas I think there's so much more nuanced discussion to have about Pedro. He's almost 50 years old, right? Uh, the, the style of actor he is. He's never taken on a role quite like this in terms of what we know to be Reed Richards and what could this be? How could he shape this to be his own? Look, I'm. there are questions and I think it's exciting to talk about them and there are maybe moments where we should be thinking like how, like, you know, we should all pause and be like, how is this going to fit? But at the end of the day, for me personally, I am way more excited to see how it turns out than nervous or upset by dubious. this casting. Dubious, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that as much as we just talked about uh, Sue Storm and with that Vanessa Kirby being the narrative linchpin of this group, you know what I mean? I think Pedro is the chemistry linchpin. You know what I mean? He's going to be the one that needs to Absolutely. play off everybody the most, I would say. Um, um, and that brings us to Cousin. That brings us to Ebon Moss Bachrock as Ben Graham in the thing. I really think it's inspired. I really do, man, because yeah. he's Jewish. He's got the fucking baby blues, bro. <laughs> like, like he's got the perfect eyes for it. As weird as that is, if you've ever read a Fantastic Four comic, you know about Ben Grimm's eyes. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and I think he's going to bring the comedy in the best way possible. I think that everything that we saw from Richie and the Bear and what we saw from um Moss Bachrock and Andor plays mm. perfectly into what I want from Ben Grimm. Obviously, it's going to be a voiceover role. It's going to be more of a Ruffalo than it is, uh, you know, any other actor, I guess. But it'll be Ruffalo-esque, though, right? You know? Yeah. I, no, I don't know like, how the it, movie's going to go. Once he, once he is the thing, we're probably not going to get uh, Cousin back, like, full form. You Human know what I mean? Yeah. Flashbacks, maybe, right? I don't, I mean, we're going to dive into it after we go through the cast, but, like, the narrative and the plot of the movie is still it's it's so fascinating now that we have the cast it's fantastic um but no i think that cousin being the thing is going to be just such a heartwarming experience for everybody who loves the bear because he is such a standout character and performance in the bear and i think everything i love about richie and everything i love about cousin i will also love about the thing and what i love about this casting and i don't need to go on because this this to me after watching the bear it's inspired. It's the best casting, in my opinion. And it's the one I'm most confident about and most excited about seeing. You know, it's like, holy shit, like this is like a one of one casting. It really feels that way. And what a move for this guy's career. Like the bear is going into its third season. That's awesome. What after the bear? You know, like obviously Jeremy Allen White's going to be ruling the world here shortly. Um, possibly, <laughs> possibly in Marvel or DC or one of these big franchises. Nick it. What an awesome franchise move. Um, the poster, seeing him in the background as an astronaut, Come on. and the thing, the thing looking very comic book accurate, super cool. We'll see how that translates. Eyebrows, yeah, the, jaw, the whole thing, the outward eyebrows. Um, it could be phenomenal. And oh shoot, I forget. I was going somewhere with this. At the end of the day, I'm going to keep it short with him. I think it's it is inspired casting, like you said. Um, and it's just one of those things where. I think for him, it's going to be a wonderful jumping off point into getting into new, interesting roles and awesome move for him being in the bear, setting up to be in Fantastic Four, whereas before that show for him, he wouldn't have been able to make this move. So good for him. It's really great. Now, the only hurdle, if you want to call it that, the thing about the thing, (laughs) the thing about Ben Grimm is how he looks is 50% of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the first Definitely. look at Ben Graham is going to be a 
huge deal. Yep. Like, it's going to be like Avatar. It's going to be like the Hulk. It's going to be like, here's our first look at this character in CGI. Like, that's going to be getting that right is going to be so important on every level of it. So yeah. I'm interested. They have done so much Korg in the MCU already in big, high budget movies, too. Like, like Ragnarok is, you know, Ragnarok, but Korg was in Infinity War, like mm-hmm. speaking roles in Infinity War. Korg was in Endgame, speaking roles in it. No, he wasn't in Infinity War, but he had a speaking yeah. role mm-hmm. in Endgame. So they put budget behind Korg in that movie. They, they they have at least the beginnings of a template for a rock man, you know? Yes. And, and I don't think it's that it's going to be that far off. So just you got to elevate it, obviously. Like you got to bring more emotion with Ben Grimm than you do with Korg. But I think like having Korg in their back pocket and the experience of Rockman, not just in Ragnarok, which is obviously a huge giant thing. But I, I, I weirdly think having him in Endgame with that budget, with the importance on that movie is a great start for Marvel Studios because they they have already put so many resources behind one Rockman learning from that. And taking great things from it and letting go of bad things from it, it's going to be huge in making Ben Grimm work. Coloring is going to be astronomically huge here because yeah. the thing about Fan Forstick, I don't think Ben Grimm looked bad by any means, but he was just dark and like kind of gray and kind of blended in with. I didn't himself. love it. Yeah, right. Yeah, you got to make him pop somehow. So coloring is going to be big. It'll be interesting. I'm excited. Let's move on to the kind of the nuances of the casting announcement the details. it was announced yeah. it was announced in a poster that they released online which is weird but definitely but weird. with with that poster we learned a lot uh it's one of my favorite south park bits of all time just quick aside david if i may if i might um they the girls have uh their little like burn book in the school in south park it's like they rank the guys by cuteness and you know they all these lists that girls make when they're in fourth grade right yeah and the boys set on a mission to go steal the notebook right <laughs> cartman's cartman's leading the little rascals of it all he goes okay we're gonna go up there we're gonna kick him in the balls and then we're gonna steal the book and leave right it's a perfect <laughs> plan they obviously go to do that does it work <laughs> It doesn't work the way they thought it was going to go. And they cut back to the clubhouse and Cartman goes, all right, we failed, but we learned a lot. Primarily, the girls don't have balls. <laughs> it's just the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> but with this poster, we learned a lot. I, I didn't love the announcement, but we did learn a lot from this poster. First things first, the new logo. Having this very artistic 60s printing press you know, eight layers of screens on top of one another kind of look with Marvel animation, uh, uh, Marvel Studios up top in a very like 60s typeface where yeah. it's, you know, it's the even even the Marvel Studios logo was stylized, you know, mm-hmm. so like they, they dove into it. And the biggest thing from the poster, David, is that the thing is holding a magazine. It looks like a Time magazine. It is. Yeah. Or it's supposed and to it's, be uh, Lyndon Johnson. Uh, I think it's uh, President Nixon, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong. I'll look into it. Yeah, um, I'll look into it. I thought I said Jonathan. Um, either way, people, president. People, yeah, people saw that Time magazine, found that actual Time magazine cover. This, at some point, will be set in 1963. Officially, the Fantastic Four will be set in the 60s. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on the period piece aspect of this? To my knowledge, this is the third theatrically released period piece 
in Marvel Studios history, following up Captain America, the first Avengers set in the 40s and Captain Marvel set in the 90s. President Lyndon B. Johnson, by the way, you're correct. You nailed yes. it. Um, I am excited about this. I think this is actually the most ex- one of the most exciting elements to this announcement because that for me has been one of the all time questions is how are you going to bring Fantastic Four into the MCU? Like more than you've, you've heard me say this on this podcast, more than the casting, it's what is the story of Fantastic Four entering the MCU? Because there's no real natural way of doing it in present day or let's say in this universe. So making it back in the 1960s, I think is going to be, I think it's going to play very well for the film. Obviously, Matt Shackman is the, I mean, he's really, for this era, he's the only one in the MCU that's actually properly done it in a way with WandaVision. And I think because of going from John Watts, who I totally could have seen doing something like this as well, moving to Matt Shackman, you can now see more of the vision for what this film is going to be. And I love the idea of it. Now, how the story actually goes, whether this is in our proper timeline, how they work around that historically, whether it's in an alternate timeline, where they've been all this time, those are the questions we're going to be asking for the next 18 18 months. So I'm excited about that. But I think this being another period piece, which Maybe for some people, they're tired of it. Maybe, you know, Captain Marvel wasn't the best one. I think Captain America was a little bit better. And, and they all, I mean, in general, they haven't been the best MCU movies. I think this can be the best one. I, I love the 60s. as a, I love the 60s in general as an era, uh, more so than bouncing back to the other ones. And I think having an established Fantastic Four team in the 60s, which, by the way, is when they were originated, when they were created. And when you think of the Fantastic Four, you kind of think of that era. That's awesome. They can pull from so many comics and so much lore, and I think it's going to be wonderful. I think that aspect is I'm more excited that it's set in the past than I would be if it was present day. And it's already been teased. Doctor Strange, didn't you guys chart in the 60s? Yeah. In Doctor Strange's <laughs> yeah. universe, there is some semblance of the Fantastic Four that he remembers from back in the day. Like, like he's Which... read up on the Fantastic Four from the 60s. And we see the Krasinski version with the Baxter built. Like people forget in Multiverse of Madness where they are. That's the Baxter building. Like, mm. like that's not nothing. Like the Fantastic Four within the MCU has already been established. And I know, I know that for whatever reason, people look at that as a joke and like it didn't happen. It definitely happened, and it's a thing. So I think that it's going to be a less jarring experience than people think of because I. I'm really annoyed right now of the anytime a new character is brought up. Well, where have they been the whole time? So just no new characters ever like that. That's just how we're going to do it. Like we just can't have new things anymore because we've already done it, everything. Yeah, that's unoriginal and dumb. I think I think that's overthinking it a little bit. Right. But having them set in the 60s, I think for all the reasons you just said, makes all the sense in the world. And I'm really excited about it. Um, as far as how they integrate into the MCU, obviously, Secret Wars is where we're heading. So the idea of crossing different universes, different timelines, different whatever to one place or another is going to be something we need to get more familiar with. And not even more. Familiar, I feel like we're already familiar with it. We need to get ready for that to happen a lot because we yeah. just saw it happen to Monica. We've seen it happen to Captain Carter and what if a handful of times. <laughs> Um, and you know, we just need to prepare ourselves for that situation. What makes a Fantastic Four kind of an organic 
plot driver for that is that they do deal in space travel a lot. And the Marvel's mm-hmm. just set up. You can get from one universe to another in space. Like the jump points can have that. What if they invent the jump points? <clears throat> That'd be cool. But um, not only that, like it wouldn't be weird for Reed Richards to talk about which universe he's in right now. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be that weird like, for them for them to somehow mention that they're not in 616. Like that could come up pretty organically. Right. Mm. And I have like a dream for how this starts, but it's a different conversation for a different time. I, but go ahead. I was going to say that it's also inferred uh, about uh, it's also inferred about the Fantastic Four that they're already established that right. they're already the team. And I love that aspect of it, too, like especially because it is out of time where it's like, oh, we just jump in and they're just already the Fantastic Four. And maybe we get flashbacks. Maybe we get an, like a, a quick recap of like how it happened. But be- and I think it's almost guaranteed because 2000. Uh, four. Well, I don't even remember when the first one came out. Doesn't five. five, and then 2015. Those are both origin movies. So I think you have to go away from the origin. And I love the idea that we start off this this movie and they're just already the Fantastic Four in the 60s. You know, that's the most fun part within the 1960s. Right, and and it can go so much deeper. They're gonna talk about Captain America. That's gonna happen. Mm. I bet Peggy Carter's in this movie. You think so? Why wouldn't she be? She's Shield, right? Like, you know, like the Fantastic Four working with Shield makes all the sense in the world. I guess it just goes back to the whole what universe is this? You know, right. and and, and like there is, I think like, you made the point, point. Like you can't, you have to keep adding new characters. But I do think there should be some trepidation. Another another word, some trepidation with introducing new characters in the past, right? Like there is something to that. I I think I think there is some, you know, there that that does give some people a reason to kind of pause for a second and be like, hmm, like how is it going to work? And I think that's that's fair. I think I think Marvel should ask those questions to themselves too and work right. a way around it, you know, because it's going to be very fascinating when this movie comes to a close, where it ends up and where they end up and how and how then it integrates into now because that's how all these movies work, right? You know, cap on ice. Uh, Captain Marvel flying off, you know, and eventually coming back. So on a mission, though, you know what I mean? Like, like she exactly. just fly off to do nothing. We knew what she was doing at the end of Captain Marvel. Yeah. And I assume like you're right. Time travel, space travel, all these different things like leading bleeding edge in terms of in terms of science. I think the Fantastic Four are going to retroactively maybe jump points that like you said. They're going to be a reason for something mm-hmm. that's happened in the past. And there's going to be a reason for why no one knows about them right now. You know, I, th- I think right. Dr. Strange was referencing the band Fantastic Four because, you know, in the there is. Yeah. Uh, because from Captain or sorry, Captain Dr. Strange one member back How in the surge that? in the surge in the surgeon's room. He was always listening to music and always was doing trivia and like knew who all the artists were. So that was kind of a reference to that. Mm-hmm. But it is still a fun, a wink and a nod. And it's it is crazy that now they're going to be back in the 60s. Um, I think like a way too early prediction on all of this is that they're in the quantum realm or something like that, because you got to keep them the same age, you know, Um, and how all that works. We're going to find out. And it could have to do with the multiverse. Is this the multiverse saga at the you know, at the same time? So I think that could be a factor here. Um, But personally, I would I would love for them to figure out a way around this being 616 proper MCU 
1963. Because I want these to be the Fantastic Four of this universe, not a Fantastic Four joining this universe from an alternate one, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it, the balance will be interesting because like the alternate universe we got primarily in Multiverse of Madness, like eight, three, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the the Baxter building felt like a Stark building and and, you know. Uh, Regina George notebook. Oh, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams was there and still <laughs> that character playing a completely different role. You know what I mean? Right. Like they, there is precedent for that. Um, the. The thing is with Fantastic Four and predictable might sound negative, but like there is a lot of very predictable ways that this could happen. Like maybe the space event that sends them into their powers that could send them to another timeline. Them right. working in the negative zone or whatever, like that is all on the table. Like it, there are a very there are a lot of very organic ways that find themselves in a universe time, whatever. And what we talked about when this poster came out is they need to make sure that they find a way to not kind of just double up on the Captain America thing. Yeah. Like like the the whole, you know, you've been asleep thing. Like like the fantastic if the Fantastic Four wake up confused and somebody like Nick Fury needs to come and tell them what's going on, that's gonna be just like Captain America. So as predictable as the right. jump or shift or whatever it might be, can and will be. It's up to Marvel just to make it interesting and to make it exciting and to make it a moment. Like, even if we know what's happening, if you make it emotional and make it a real moment and have the events leading up to it build on that, yeah. like, you know, we can still get a great thing out of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited. And the other, the last thing I want to talk about before we move on, um, Matt Shackman is not afraid to drop a needle. WandaVision had some of the best needle drops in MCU. Like, ever. Like, the Beach Boys... We're in WandaVision. That's unbelievable. Jimi Hendrix. All the different things that WandaVision did from a needle drop standpoint, I think is amazing. Some 60s needle drops. Oh, my God. It's going to be awesome. be incredible. I think it's going to be absolutely incredible, and I can't wait for it. Shout out. Feels so good by Chuck Mangione. The song that Dr. Strange is listening to while he's uh, doing surgery. Oh, yeah. It opens up with one song and then he switches it. Feels so good. 1973. Actually, it released in 72, but it charted in 73. <laughs> that song to this day is my alarm. Every single morning I wake up. Oh, really? That's Feels funny. so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, last thing, box office, David. We're, we, got, we got a box office situation. We Fantastic do. Four and Superman Legacy are set to release in the same month. Thoughts? Wild. So is Jurassic World 4 which would be the week before Superman okay. Legacy, which now it might not happen. The lost director. The director. <laughs> um, I'm still I'm still of the mindset this may not happen. I think Superman may move up in theory. Um, but at the same time, let's just say it does happen. You know, let, let's say that Superman stays because James Gunn has reiterated July 11th is the date. So let's just say that happens. Let's say that I think it's July 25th, I think, is the, the timeline for uh, Fantastic Four. It's two weeks later. Um, Yes, that would make sense. 25th. This is a very, very interesting matchup between Marvel and DC because these are two well-established characters in comics and in the zeitgeist of people on Earth. <laughs> um, but they haven't had great success in theaters and in just in movie franchises in general this millennium, right? Yeah. In the 2000s and beyond. So, 
exactly. So with that being said, I would, man, I, I have a really hard time with this. I don't think either are billion dollar movies sitting here today. Obviously, the quality of both is going to be a big factor. Like if they are big um, audience and just fan reactions. I have faith both are going to be good. I do think right now I would give a slight edge to Superman Legacy solely because of James Gunn um, and plastering his name everywhere. And the, I guess, revival of a actual it's the revival of DC in many ways. It's the res- it's the revival of a cinematic universe that could draw more people to seats. But hey, if these if these dates do stick and both these movies are awesome, like we hope they are. It could be an historic July 2025. 14 days apart. Do they have to eat each other? I know like like the, the ceiling gets a little more capped well, than if it was a month. But like. Like how here, here's my question for you, a box office person. Mm-hmm. How many weeks apart would it have to be to not be like considered like a battle? You know what I mean? Like, is I, would it say, I would say if you're on if you're in the same month, it's typically like somewhat of a really? battle. Yeah, for for a big movie like this. And here's the thing. It's not one for one. Like, obviously, when it's Superman Weekend 3, Fantastic Four is going to be the number one movie. But the question is, for Fantastic Four, is how much of the audience for Superman, and it can work both ways. If you love, I mean, honestly, if you're Marvel, you want Legacy to be awesome. Because you want people to be reinvigorated with comic book movies and have confidence two weeks later to go to Fantastic Four. I mean, we're t- like, here's the thing. You're right. It is two weeks away. There, there's a separation here. So people can obviously see both as many times as they want. Um, it's not one of those situations where if they're both opening the same day, you'd have to go in with a preconceived idea of which one you think is going to be better and would choose based on that. So right. if Superman sucks and is bombing, I don't know how that's going to affect Fantastic Four. I mean, I don't think it would be a positive thing. But I also think it could be a situation where it could outperform it if Legacy were theoretically bombing. So the end of the day, I do think it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, like it's a very busy summer is always a busy time at the box office. But I don't I'm not one of these people that's it's not a week away. A week is one thing. Two weeks is a whole different thing. It really Um, is. Yeah. And especially if Jurassic World were to somehow make that deadline. Then, I mean, we're getting to a lot of people. People are choosing what they want to go to the theater to see, you know, and if there's three massive blockbuster franchise movies releasing in July 2025, not everyone's going to go see all three. And it's going to be like, which one do I choose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I really like that point. Superman being a hit is great for the Fantastic Four. Absolutely. Especially because Superman, like even without the Fantastic Four, is such an opening weekend heavy movie. Like it's yeah. so front loaded into like the success of Superman. It's so dependent on that opening week, I would say. Not even weekend, but like that opening week. Because mm-hmm. like opening weekend, big numbers, we hope, reviews. Hey, should I go see it? That next week is big for Superman. Yeah. And then, you know, if the hype train rolls into Fantastic Four, we're we're chilling in a golden age of comics situation. Yeah. You know? And 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 for Fantastic Four, so that's the thing. Like DC, that's why I have more confidence a little bit in it being the higher grossing movies. I think it's going to be really good of James Gunn. And also it is that it's disconnected and it is the beginning of something new. Fantastic Four also not only relies on on doesn't rely on it, but could benefit from legacy. It now relies on 
Deadpool 3, Captain America, Thunderbolts, theoretically. Like, if those all release, yeah, exactly. If those are all great and now there's real momentum, that's awesome. But if the Thunderbolts doesn't do as well, Captain America isn't what we necessarily wanted, then it's back to the whole like wishy washy Marvel thing we're seeing right now that just blew up in their faces with the Marvels. It's a very interesting time. Obviously, by the time we get to Fantastic Four, we're going to know so much more about the movie and the environment and the climate at the box office and how people view comic book movies. But in theory, just to make a final statement on this, if Deadpool 3 is awesome, if the MCU keeps their head above, above water with the rest of these theatrical movies, there is a real chance that July 2025 is an all time in 2025 in general, but July 2025 is an all-time month for comic book movies if Legacy and Fantastic Four are awesome. Because if the energy and the pendulum is swinging up back for comic book movies at that time, sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. Um, it's very exciting. I'm pumped. If Superman moves up a week, that's got to be ideal, right? Well, I think, yeah. For, personally, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see it, uh, Jurassic World, get the hell out of there. And then yeah, Superman lost the director because then because then we yeah, exactly. Because then we space it out a little bit. Like you said, we at the beginning of July and the end of July. That that's right. while there is competition there. You're right. in asking the question earlier, that's where there's real space. You mm-hmm. know, they're not really like head to head competing. So that would be the ideal situation for me, especially if I, I think, in a in a way, you know, truth, justice, American way. I know they've changed the the slogan July 4th weekend or, you know, around July 4th for, for Superman. Come on. Let's do good. it. Let's do good. it. I got to pay us for this stuff. Uh, last thing on Fantastic Four before we move on. I don't mind that we've been talking about this as long as we have at all. No, I don't think anyone um, else does either. <laughs> um, Doctor Doom, I think, is a different conversation because obviously there's a very good chance there's some sort of Doctor Doomness going on in Deadpool. Doctor Doom, I think, at this point, mm. with Secret Wars coming, has grown out of like, is he going to be in Fantastic Four or not? Like, he could show up kind of anywhere at this point, which is exciting. And weird because like he's not like he's not like a nah, neither was Thanos, I guess. He's not like a super well known like people know who Doctor Doom is, I guess, because of Fantastic Four. But I, I was gonna say like he's not a super well known. It's not like everybody knew who Thanos was. He's like, he's more notable than Thanos, I would absolutely, say. So at least as Thanos was in twenty twelve. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Oh, for sure. Um it's exciting. Um so the question is, who's going to be the big bad? Who's going to be the villain? Who's going to this at the other? Mole Man, obviously, always on the table, especially in the 60s, where it's a lot more less futuristic villains could come into play. Mole Man being an industrial villain who, like, you know, if Mole Man causes an earthquake in the 60s, that's a big fucking deal. He caused an earthquake in, you know, the late 2000s. People are going to be like, yeah, well, they picked up a city and threw it back at us. I think we'll be fine with an earthquake. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> people yeah. forget that they literally picked up an entire city and threw it back at the earth in Age of Ultron. But in the 60s, it could play <laughs> a little more impactful if Mole Man's out there causing problems. Yeah. But the rumors are Galactus. The rumors are Silver Surfer. Do you have any initial fan castings for either of those two? I really don't. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a very good fan caster besides that one time because <laughs> I... It, brother <laughs> but seriously i'm really not i'm not i'm not that creative um and i don't really have a great idea for it i do think so john carlos esposito <laughs> <laughs> yeah right exactly everything Pedro pascal um and everything well i think uh, fan casting for dr doom is killian murphy for sure um but we're not talking about dr necessarily 
I do think be I don't really have a good fan casting. I'm I'm curious if you do. I do think in general with the film, like a mole man, I would love the threat to be a little smaller and then you build to something like Galactus. Because Galactus should be this like omnipresent force that then gets reintroduced. Like I would love for Galactus to be in the movie and then boom, you cut to 60 years later and you have to deal with him again. I, I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I don't really have any good ones off the top of my head either. So, you know, shame on me for even asking the question. But I don't think we need giant fucking name for big for Silver Surfer. Like that could be a really good entry role for somebody like Cousin, who right. like maybe isn't like a superstar yet, but like somebody who has like an amazing voice or like a very distinguished look, a scars guard, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, coming yeah. in to really make it work for them. Um, and that is the Fantastic Four. I tweeted something about Galactus a long time ago that I thought was really Javier Bardem is the uh, rumor around sure. Galactus, which I, I like the idea of. Um, I think it'd be totally fine. I think, and honestly, based on uh, what we've seen in movies before, Galactus is a hard one where it's like, how would Galactus look in the MCU? You know, like what... What is Galactus? Maybe not who is Galactus, but what is Galactus? Not a cloud. That's that's the idea. Please, not a big fart. Not a cloud. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Fantastic Four news. There was other news. They didn't stop there. They wanted to drown out Madam Web as much as they could. The (laughs) X-Men 97 trailer has arrived. The theme song is back. The animation is back. The cheesy dialogue is back. The poster is fucking awesome. It's colorful. It's exciting. We're back, dude. I yeah, chills the entire time watching that trailer. It was just nostalgia draping over my body. David, as somebody who did not grow up with this cartoon, no. how are you feeling about X Men '97? To me, this looks so much better than I could have ever imagined. When I was watching this trailer, I'm like, "Holy shit!" I haven't even seen this show, and I'm so hype about the fact that they're picking up where they left off. Seemingly, right? Like this is a mm-hmm. this is a sequel. This is not a reboot of any kind. Like they are continuing. And man, just speaking of the trailer itself, we get an awesome uh, Cyclops moment, and we get an awesome Gambit energizing Wolverine's claws moment. It just looks fantastic. Like it, it genuinely Perfect. looks so much fun to watch. And I can't wait to talk about it on this show when it comes out. It's going to be a good time. People need to understand something. I know we have a younger audience being the direct and um, people need to understand that like the X-Men animated series. I, I, I hope somebody like you who is very much into comic book stuff and probably grew up hearing about the X-Men animated series mm-hmm. from other people. Right. You need to understand, like, this is so beyond niche. It's insane. Everybody who was a kid in the 90s watched this show. Right. There's not a single person who grew up with a television in the 90s that doesn't know about the X-Men animated series. It was the Saturday morning cartoon for so many people. So many people who could not give a fuck less about comic book movies now still remember everything about the X-Men animated series. This is why the X-Men weren't in the MCU originally. This They're show, so popular. Yeah. This is the show that made them the prize jewel of comic book IP. This right. is why those movies came out. This and the Spider-Man animated series. It's so ingrained Great point. in so many people in their 30s. It's unbelievable how 
cool it is. Like, like, you know, I know that's not like insightful, you know, uh, it's not like a creative take. It's so cool that they're making X-Men 97. Like, yeah, it's awesome. I can't wait to watch it. Like you said, I mean, the game at Wolverine moment, that's X-Men porn is what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, Marvel animation makes its first appearance. We've, We've obviously seen what if, which I think will retroactively be, be put under the Marvel animation banner, which makes yeah. a lot of sense. They had the animated Marvel Studios logo, so like it already kind of had its thing, right? But the official Marvel animation logo in the bright yellow with the black background, David Thompson, come on, brother. Um, your thoughts on just Marvel animation? Like, like you know, we have Spotlight, which. Uh, was uh special presentations which was one-offs and no idea what that is but uh marvel animation makes its official branding debut thoughts to me it seemed like out besides what if like i'm curious if zombies will have this um you think so because i guess i wonder if now they're gonna make this the umbrella for every animated series because part of me thought like if you drop the studios, it's like not MCU. Like it's not related to the MCU. And this sure. to me, like what if is, I mean, just down to the core MCU content, right? It's MCU. What if, you know, it's not Marvel. What if mm-hmm. it's Marvel studios? What if, and X-Men 97 doesn't have to do with Marvel studios. So that kind of made sense where it was like Marvel animation. Um, So I am, I guess that'd be my curiosity going forward. If, if it's you know the the Spider-Man series they're developing, that would be Marvel Animation. But Zombies and What If Season Three would still be quote unquote Marvel Studios. I don't know what their plan is, but it was cool to see a new logo and seemingly kind of a newer branch for Disney Plus. That bright yellow, it makes me so happy. It looked it looked <laughs> it great, and I liked how it was still like an iteration of Marvel Studios. You just kind of drop oh, the yeah. studios and add the animation. There was a there, and it still is. Shout out to our guys are kind of funny. Um. But you know, there was a very there was a very long time where every single YouTuber or blog or anybody who talks about comic book movies, their logo was just the Marvel Studios logo. Yeah. But with the two words that they picked. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> like that was so a thing for yeah. so like you, you can look back from three, four years ago. Oh, all yeah. of our draft graphics had direct draft, but in the Marvel Studios layout, like hundred percent. Right. Like right. It was as a graphic designer, it was very funny to see. And um, we get Magneto back. He gave us kind of our only semblance of plot and you know, spoilers for the X-Men animated series, I guess. Charles Xavier dies. They show it in the trailer, so I'm not that no if you don't know Charles Xavier dies a bajillion times in X-Men comics, get ready for that. Like <laughs> it's just kind of what he does, right? <laughs> but um Magneto's back, he's got the hair. Oh god, does he have the hair? And he's taking over the school, man. I feel like it's going to be Cyclops, Storm, and Magneto fighting I can't wait. a lot. Yeah. Like a lot. That's how Magneto great. looks in the um, House of M comics. Love yeah. the long hair. Love it. He's ripped in the House of M comics, man. He's I, big boy ripped in the Live so action. That is a 2006 classic body build. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want that. I want that physique and hair for the MCU Magneto. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> like and and you know that is the funny thing about magneto like he is so his origin is so holocaust driven like how can you possibly now you know what i mean like how could you possibly put the holocaust as like his 
origin story and still make him a contemporary in the MCU. Like yeah. it would be that would be a feat. It would at least. Yeah. Um big question among Marvel fans on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's real a big quick, that's a big before one. we move on. I wanted to share something that was kind of disheartening from my Uber driver when I left Madam Webb. Huh. Um shout out to my wife Erin who dropped me off at the theater. We have one car out here in California. Yeah. Um she dropped me off at the theater uh before she went to work and I had to Uber home so I didn't have to Uber twice to Madam Webb. That made me feel a lot better. <laughs> it made me feel so much better. Yeah, no doubt. Um but I was talking to my Uber driver and he said, What are you up to tonight? I said, Just got out of a movie. Which one? Madam Webb. We started talking. He's a big comic book movie nerd, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. And he was talking about the Marvels and I told him that Madam Webb sucked. And um and he was like, Yeah, you know, I wanted to be excited for the Marvels, but you know, I just didn't really love it or whatever. And I said what I said, man, was that a fun movie though? You know, 90 minutes in and out. Done, right? And his biggest complaint right away, unprompted. Was yeah, you know, it just it didn't really connect with anything else going on, and you know, it didn't really tie into any other movies or shows, and mm. you know, that's kind of a bummer. And he said, "That's you know, that's kind of what I'm showing up to there to those movies for." Right. It's just so crazy to me that like us on Twitter who have a podcast and write about this stuff, mm-hmm. like we are so like of the mindset of like connecting stuff is awesome, but doing it too much can ruin a movie. We've seen that in the past. When yes. you force when you force spin-offs, when you force tie-ins, when you force uh the world building of it all, it can really just dry out a comic book movie. But general audiences like they are still riding that phase 3 high. To this day, 5 years later, they are yeah. still riding the high of this connects to this and teases to this and the rewatch before Infinity War, I think, broke a lot of people's brains because mm. it was so perfectly done that, yeah. like, it, it was just very interesting to me that this what seemed like a very like he was very much into comic book movies. I'm not saying he's like a casual. He, he saw the Marvels, yeah. He saw the excellent point by you, <laughs> <laughs> but like the fact that like his biggest disappointment was it didn't connect to enough things is so wild to me when so many quote unquote hardos on the internet. Are just sick of things connecting to things. Just make a story. Just make a movie or whatever. But general audiences are still craving that phase three thing. It's why. Yeah. There's a give and take. And I think to that guy's point, it's like he went and saw the Marvels. Like he actually went and saw the film. So of course, if he's going to see a movie called The Marvels, you'd hope it really, it really has an impact. And I think that's been one thing with latest in the MCU that I think has gone under the radar and kind of an underrated point of I, I guess not contempt, but just criticism. I think it should be criticized is how much non-linear storytelling they have been doing where it hasn't been like each successive thing has to Mm -hmm. do with the next. And that has an element to it because to that guy's credit, he might've been watching Loki Mm -hmm. and you end, you, you finish Loki and then you go the next week to see the Marvels and it's like, okay, this almost seems it, it for it to be the cinematic experience. It was not as big of an event as a Disney plus show, mm-hmm. which is an interesting, you know, it just, it, it just where we are right now in the MCU and what Loki was. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously going forward, we had in what if Deadpool Loki was a critical element to this entire story. Yeah. And, and I also think that like it puts, puts such a magnifying glass on people who wanted to not like the Marvels, no matter what, because mm-hmm. so many people were like, Oh, I have to watch this, that, the other, just to watch the Marvels. When random people I'm meeting on the street are complaining that it wasn't tied in enough, 
Right. Like it, the, like give and take was the best way to put it. And unfortunately, heavy is the head. It was so perfectly balanced in phase three coming off of phase two, which I still think is the worst phase in the MCU. Not that it's bad. I mean, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But like coming off of phase three, the the balance was so perfectly done. People are chasing that dragon still. And that was very interesting to me that I had that interaction unprompted, like I said, with this guy. But that's the MCU. That's Marvel Studios. That's the Marvel Cinematic Universe that Deadpool is coming to fuck up. Let's talk about another universe. Let's talk about Spider-Man and Sony, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Webb. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we'll be reviewing Madam Web by Sony Studios in their Sony Spider-Man connected, integrated, other character universe. It's hard to get up for the starting light-up voice for this one. <laughs> 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 it's hard to get up, but I'm going to do my best. And your starting lineup for Madam Web. Dakota Johnson as Cassandra Webb, Cindy Sweeney as Julia Cornwall, Isabella Merced as Anya Corazon, uh, Celeste O'Connor as Maddie Franklin, Tamar Ramey as Ezekiel Sims, kind of, Adam Scott as Ben Parker, Emma Roberts as Mary Parker, Zosia mm-hmm. Z- <laughs> Mamit as Emaria, who's Emaria? Who knows? And Mike motherfucking Epps as O'Neill, David Thompson. Do you know why Mike Epps is one of my favorite actors? No, why? He is arguably our most famous Indianapolis Colts fan. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Now, now I have a, a a better retrospective uh, feeling towards his character in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was there. He he was there. Any feeling? Yeah, (laughs) he was there. Definitely there. Mike Epps, Colts fan, directed by S.J. Clarkson, who a lot of uh, European credits for S.J. Clarkson, but Man Alive has she directed a lot of great TV um, over here in the states. You know what I mean? House, Secession, all these different things. Yeah. Um, Jessica Jones was the comic book uh, series she did before this. Unfortunate. Um, yeah. Very unfortunate. I liked um, way more than this. I got this mixed up here, but let's get into over. <laughs> oh, let's. I'm going to bring some juice here. Ladies and gentlemen, overall thoughts, David Thompson, your spoiler free overall thoughts for Madam Webb. I can't talk too much in the non-spoiler section because the spoilers are so much more fun for this one. This movie <laughs> is terrible. Um, it is one of the worst movies I've seen in recent history. It is an abomination in the comic book space, and it is mainly an abomination in the Marvel space, especially for those that think it's Marvel Studios, um, because this should not have been a creation. This should this movie should not exist. This movie now exists for the purposes of making fun of, memeing, and hopefully a sign to right the wrongs and turn around the ship on the SSU. Yeah, it's um, it's everything you just said. You remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the other girl who was up for Supergirl? Yeah, Meg O'Connelly. Meg O'Connelly, O'Connell, who was High School Musical, The Musical. Yes. Whatever. Yes. I looked her up on IMDb and her number one credit was that show, that CBS show that right. that I was it had eight seasons. And I was wondering, how is this show real? How does it exist? Like, who is watching this? How is there money being put into this show that is just so off my radar? 
for eight seasons. That is what Madam Web is. How does this happen? How does this get made? How do they keep making these? Yeah. Like, how do they keep who is at the top of the table at Sony being like, you know what? Let's do another one. They see the they see the cut. You know, this is great. Run it. No notes. Like, yeah, I just don't understand. And, And correct me if I'm wrong. Is this is it is it really as easy as to keep the Spider-Man rights? They need to make X many movies a year. So here's the thing on. The, by the way, her name is Meg Donnelly. The one that was in that random show. That, that was up right. Supergirl. What's the, what's the name of that show? I have no idea. Uh, oh, it's not a real show. Yeah, no, didn't exist. Um, <laughs> no, someone out there watches. There's no way. <laughs> somebody maybe not listening here today but somebody out there i'm blown away american no, housewife by the way uh matt great question no that is not the case they are pumping these out at a much higher rate than they would ever need to if i'm not mistaken obviously correct me if i'm wrong and actually i'm not sure you'd be able to because i'm not sure all this is public information Fair. i think it's around nine years um, they have to release a live action Spider-Man movie. So if you were to just do Peter Parker, Spider-Man proper movies, I think they'd still be fine. Uh, they had 2014. They had 2017, 2019, 2021. We're in 2024. They have plenty of time. Like, let's even say it's five years. There is nothing. These spinoffs, they're creating just for the sake of creating them. Because at Sony Pictures, they're not a giant conglomerate like Universal, like Paramount, like Disney, like WB. All they like, this is their, I mean, Spider-Man in general is their biggest piece of IP that they own as a big franchise. So they've been trying to expand upon that. They've been, they have this large catalog of Marvel characters. So they've been trying to make more movies. Why are they all complete garbage and trash? I don't know. But I get the concept business-wise. Tim Rothman over there, maybe Amy Pascal a little bit, being like, hey, we don't just own Spider-Man. We have all these, all these, this wide catalog of characters. Let's turn that into something. But why does it all have to suck? Why does it all have to be like a college student uh, low budget, terrible looking, no no thought and effort into the the writing, poorly effort. edited garbage. Like, why does it all have to just be terrible? It's it's so just impressive to me that the same business minds that understand that Spider-Verse is a thing that people love and they're yes. willing to take their time on it and not rush it. And, you know, there's controversy with that across the board, but that they are the same people who just keep turning these out without realizing how much harm it's doing to their brand. Sony in the comic book movie circles is synonymous with bad movies, mm-hmm. like bad, yeah. bad movies. And you said effort. The lack of effort put into this movie is astonishing. It's, it's, it's mind bending how little, Every single person involved seemed to care. I'm talking actors. I'm talking directors. I'm talking editors. I'm talking assistant editors. I'm talking producing editors. I'm talking assistants to the assisting editors. <laughs> Everybody involved. 
Oh, God. Everybody involved seemed to just not care about the final product, and it blows my mind. However, I will say, stack this up against Morbius and let there be carnage. It's not a better movie. Mm. Man alive, do I love it way more than those two. I'm obsessed with this movie, Madam (laughs) Webb. I'm obsessed with it. I can't stop thinking about it. I really can't. I can't wait to watch it with Aaron. I'm not going to spend more money on it, but I can't oh, no. wait to watch it again. It is mesmerizing. Not just how bad it is. How bad it is at every single turn. Every line that is spoken is followed up by a more egregious and outstanding line. In, <laughs> in diving further, it's not just what they're saying. It's how they're saying it. It's who they're saying it to. And it's the context being context. put behind it. Yeah. The story decisions here are remarkable. I don't understand how anybody could look at this script or the eight different scripts that they pasted together, which is seemingly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and and can look at this final product and say, yeah, that that works. That yeah. makes sense. No, yeah. no need to change anything else. This is fine. To yeah. say it's fine is mind blowing. And I can't wait to get into oh, it. Oh, a quick story. I saw this Tuesday at a press screening with seven other people. I, I, so I watched the movie. Me and this guy to the left of me are, I mean, and some other people in the theater. There's a lot of moments in Madam Web. If you haven't seen it, you're just going to listen to the podcast because we're going to have a lot of fun. That today. makes sense for the first yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. I, I hope I hope you are because I, I literally tweeted out, please don't see the movie, but I am ho- hoping you listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, and, it, and it failed at the box office, which is awesome. With that being it's said, awesome. several, there's so many moments in Madam Web where you laugh, where you're like, where you're not supposed to laugh, but it's that bad that you just have to chuckle. It's like so ridiculous looking or sounding or obviously the context to it. I could not believe um, you've been to these pressers. I walk out and the woman's asking me for a comment on the film. Like she's asking me for like a a, a note, like mm-hmm. a quick little like my thoughts. She's going to mark it down. Yeah. And I said, I'd, I basically just I tried to be polite. I, I mean, I was kind of like grinning ear to ear because I couldn't believe what I just watched. But I basically said I, I didn't enjoy the film. I could not believe the guy behind me goes. I really liked it. I was like, I like I like did like a quick like turnaround. Didn't no. say a word. But I was almost like, are you? I I, I wanted to like see his face because <laughs> I'm like, there's no, I mean, there is no way you really thought it like you really liked it. I I I and what's crazy about that is that was like, but that was when I first saw it. So then I'm like, am I being too harsh on this? And then the internet, and I'm like, oh right, no, I'm not. I, I don't know what the guy was thinking, but true, this is a truly historically bad comic book film. I think that. I can liken that situation to you get all these mom and pop restaurants, usually breakfast, right? That open up in these neighborhoods. I've lived, I've lived in cities for the last eight years. My entire adult life, I've lived in cities. So I've seen a lot of these mom and pop restaurants open up and then close so quickly, right? Mm. And the situation is, hey, how did you enjoy the food? It was great. No matter how bad the food is, if the waiter asks how it was, you say it was amazing. And you tip them accordingly. You know what I mean? No matter what, just to be polite. And then you never go back. (laughs) And that's why these places close because nobody tells them that their food is bad. Then you (laughs) go and and they never change anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand how we're not making any money. Everybody says that they love it. Yeah. 
That's how so that's how that that went. We're all too nice. That's the point. I'm not gonna be. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um I will say, I said I was going to see this like in a standard theater and give them as little money as possible. I went the other way. I that's what I thought I was going at noon on a Saturday. I decided to go Friday night, you know, get out on the town, go to the mall, you know, good times, be around people. Yeah. Nice. I got the uh icon viewing, which was just incredible. Um, I got a whiskey. <laughs> I oh, got wow. I got Extra food delivered fun. to my seat. I did I I went all out. I enjoyed awesome. the fuck out of this thing. Yeah, Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah. So let's get into it. And ironically, and for a Sony project, we're gonna bring in our guy Michael Keaton. I don't know what this movie has to do with anything. I think Spider-Man's involved. Ladies and gentlemen, spoilers. <laughs> All right, David, let's get into it. We're going to change it up a little bit today. We're going to have winners and losers, our biggest winner and our biggest loser for the movie, and then not top 10 plays. A little, little sports Good. center throwback, the not top 10 plays, the blooper yeah. reel, the blunders of Madam Webb. David, I don't know if you're going to get creative. I don't know if you actually have a winner. I can't wait to find out who's your biggest winner for Madam Webb. I got creative. I took one for the team. I was on a plane yesterday and I rewatched Morbius because here's the thing. This is now a debate of which one is better and which one is worse. Is Madam Web or Morbius the better or worse movie? And in my opinion, after rewatching Morbius, Morbius is the big winner because Madam Web is an objectively worse movie. Morbius is bad. Morbius is very fun to make fun of. It gets worse as it goes, though. And the movie tries to do way less than Madam Web. And it's actually a much more simple. And while the writing's not very good at all, and we have the absolutely random, bizarre moment of I am Venom and the dancing scene. But there's so much that's bizarre. It's actually a very it's 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 much simpler and easy to follow film that has some more logic to it. Whereas Madam Web, it's funny I, I thought of it earlier. Madam Web is a, is as if you typed into AI some like points and like yes. some basic some basic topics and a villain, and this is what it spat out. Like Morbius is kind of like that, but Madam Web is that to a T. Because Morbius is my winner today, because I do believe Madam Web is now the worst SSU and one of the worst comic book movies of all time. And by the way, Morbius sucks too. I actually hated myself for making myself watch it yesterday. Kind of had some fun. I will say Morbius has some cool special effects. There is, the, I kind of like the whole like, the the I don't know how you call it, like it, like breaking off of them, like the, the, the way he looks when he moves. There's, there's something there. Madam fog Web, effect when he flies. Yeah, fog exactly, and, and cool. it's, there's a lot of it. Some of it looks actually quite cool, and there's and there's actual action in Morbius. The action in Madam Web is duck. I don't even know what the fuck it is. Like I, I, I don't even like <laughs> the letter S is going to fall at some point. <laughs> Let's navigate the next fifteen minutes until the S falls. 
and the bad guy dies. And by the way, by the way, we, I have to just mention it because, I mean, the editing in this movie is like it needs to be studied in a museum. When the guy finally dies, not only does he die by the hands of the, the big bad S, but it cuts and he's just falling. There's no like it, it. It's like he's kind of hit and then it cuts and it's like the, the all time like slow mo. No. Surely the S is something important, though, right? Like a Spider-Man thing or Pepsi, PepsiCo, Pepsi. Did Pepsi sponsor this movie, you think? (laughs) I I mean, it it was a giant Pepsi sign, to be fair. The amount of Pepsi in this movie was insane. So much Pepsi. And and also, like, go back and rewatch it. The first time we do see Pepsi. (laughs) It's at the the, the barbecue. It's at the barbecue. Ben Parker offers the lead character of Pepsi. And you know what she says? I don't want it. I don't want it. I'd rather have a beer. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Can't do that. This Insane. movie's a big Coke ad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you think of it that way. <laughs> Never since the polar bears has Coke had a better marketing campaign. <laughs> They're putting um, Pepsi and Madam Web. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant um, stuff. That's why they skipped out on the Super Bowl. The only thing I'll say is I do think I prefer this over Morbius because I can mm. at least laugh at this. I wasn't laughing at Morbius. I was okay. Born. I okay. No, no, no. Quickly before you go on that. I agree where Madam Web it is more fun to make fun of than Morbius because Morbius does take itself more seriously. I just think Back. Morbius. Mor- Morbius is objectively a better movie. For sure. It, it at least has something in visual effect or this, that, the other. And whatever. even just the story. Like, they're, they're kids. There's, like, some motivation there. It's all very shitty and bad. And mm-hmm. Jared Little kind of sucks. But it and exists. The, and the, and there's, like, a... There is a... um There was a 12-year-old that had one of those, you know, rising... You know, we have we have the plot going on, the climax and the falling action... And in Madam Web, there's none of that. There's no. just there's just absolutely nonsense on a page. I want to stick to the action part because you're right. There is action existing in Morbius. And Madam Web, the big hero moment when she separates herself into three different places, which make that make sense. Looked terrible. It's not even that it, that's like an action moment. She separates herself just to go to three independently hanging people who are in like all completely separate from each other, found themselves hanging from something. And in her big moment, her big hero moment is, here, let me help you. <laughs> helps them up. Just helps them up. And the, that's it. The, and, that, and that is it. Yeah. No, that's it's it. unbelievable. And, well, when I, one of the thoughts going through my mind while watching this movie is like, wait, why do they make a Madam Web movie? Because Because her character is inherently not interesting to watch in the big screen it, it it's totally a secondary additive character omnipotent and she's the leader so in a way i do think it makes sense to add three different girls to be spider women but when the whole fucking movie is about them not being spider women and helpless high school girls and she's supposed to be the hero it's terrible. No, <laughs> like, they learned CPR, David. You missed that part. They, uh, they learned CPR. That was their superpower. And and let me just say, let me uh, just say, let me just say, anybody out there, if if your new mother figure 
which is what she ends up being, by the way. If your new mother figure is dying and you're performing CPR, maybe give it, you know, more than 30, 45 seconds before you're like, yeah, you know, I'm getting a little tired. <laughs> Have a little urgency. <laughs> you know? Like that was the big, that was the big moment. I'm, I'm getting tired. tired. I know what to do. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll jump in. <laughs> Thank God we learned this in the hotel room. <laughs> that was a very sentimental and sweet scene, Matt. I don't know why you're being so tough on it. That was awesome. My mother's in a psych ward. <laughs> That's as jarring as it was. By the way, my mother's in a psych ward. Why was it like <laughs> how ridiculous this plot is? Why was it that there is no way all three girls had no like parental connection? You know, like like no one's looking for them. Like the fact that they and they each get to go because the movie understands that and uh-huh. has each one of them explain back how back. no one's looking for them and how yeah. no one's like there for them. And it's like, oh, it just became so painful and it was so forced. And goddamn, what a waste of Sydney Sweeney. Unbelievable waste of Sydney Horrible. Sweeney. And how like if you've seen um uh, what's the new movie with Glenn Powell? Um anybody but you. And if you by Sony Studios, if you if by Sony Pictures, no if you way. just watched anyone but you with Sydney Sweeney a month ago, and then watched this movie, it's 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 jarring. She's like a twenty four year old in that movie, smoking hot, and then in this, she's supposed to be like seventeen and like the nerdy one. It's just it's a it's Bad, so dude. bizarre as a. Like for her career to go from by the same the same film studio from one to the other, and there's just no translation. It's like oh my, it's like to, it's like completely miscast and just terrible. And like her supposed to be like this looking up to Dakota Johnson. All of them, Isabella Merced, like she's gonna be hot girl. Shout out her. I think she's gonna be a great hot girl. Like she tried her best. Every actor in many ways besides Dakota Johnson, in my opinion, tried their best in this movie. But it's terrible. Tomorrow, Amy needs to be pointed out. I don't think he tried at all. Who did? The bad guy. Okay, so we got to talk. We'll about get this. to it. We'll get to okay, it. Okay, I was gonna say where where even are we in the really quick, really quick. <laughs> the thing about Sydney Sweeney, you said nobody's looking for him. She ran away. Right. There's definitely someone looking for her. She was with her family in this movie. <laughs> but the that she made the correct, and it was really awkward, and you saved her life. Um. And <laughs> it does sound like me. Uh, no, but you made the point how they don't want her. Like that was like the point. But correct, y- you are correct. But they're, I think they're they were trying to like say how her family doesn't care about where she is because it's not her actual family. Very distinctly, though, it's a sixteen-year-old girl saying she doesn't feel like they want her. Yes, and then in the sitcom, welcome to the divorce. Parents, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it is. And also, your dad's definitely looking for you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're on the news. <laughs> Motherfucker. Um, I got to get to my biggest winner. All right. <laughs> Easiest, biggest winner of my life. It's Dakota Johnson. She is such a not human in this movie. It's unbelievable to watch. The thing she says, the way she says them... The interaction she has with people is so off-putting and weird that I can't look away. She's one of the most fascinating humans I've ever seen in a movie. One, I don't think Dakota Johnson gave a fuck. 
about this movie and the press the press whatever is very much showing that she's so here for a check oh absolutely this character they wrote for her is so non how humans talk like she doesn't talk the way humans talk it's unbelievable when the kid hands her the drawing she literally says no thank you yep and like i don't know what to do with it i it, i don't even know how to what uh She's my, mom was killed. my mom was killed in the Amazon researching spiders. That line's not in the movie, but man, every other line just like it is. Yeah. Like it, I hope the spiders were worth it, mom. What? <laughs> why did madam, why did Cassie Dakota Johnson think that her mom hated her? Why That's would she think that? the movie. <laughs> but why would she think that? Just because she died in childbirth? Mm-hmm. In, in the, the Amazon, Amazon though. but 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 she was in the Amazon. Therefore, she hates her. Therefore, everyone knows if you go to the Amazon, you hate your kid. See, this but it turns thing. out like, she did it for her, David. Like for we're her. joking right now and we're having a good time. How the fuck was this movie made? How it's is so, that? A, how is that a line? How is so that insane. like? It, just be. I mean, maybe I'm. Maybe I don't know. And maybe there are complex feelings out there for the situation. How are we supposed to believe she has this whole complex that her mom hated her just because of some a tragedy a tragedy happened? You know, like it wasn't her fault. She got and- shot <laughs> out of nowhere. Could you believe they brought the briefcase back? Sony. Pictures oh, you gotta bring the briefcase with the back. briefcase. You gotta I bring the briefcase back. It. I well, could not I mean- believe the dead parent had a briefcase once again. Where's Philip Phillips? Have you ever heard of Los Aranias? Meow. Me neither. Um, you stayed my stepmother. It was super awkward about it. Mm, that does sound like me. Everybody knows when your heart stops, you wake up and you're just fine. What? Dude, She's- the when that when they were doing the little games, which the pregnancy games, what the fuck are they thinking? When they're having a baby shower, what is this game? Everybody go around and write down a great moment between you and your mother. One, weird. Weird. And two, so the whole point is for Emma Roberts to be like guessing who wrote that. My mom cut the crust off my PB&J and she's like, Stacy, it's gotta be (laughs) Stacy. She's always talking about those fucking crusts, man. And and then (laughs) she pulls a blank one out. And Dakota, and she's like, is this yours, Cassie? Just, you you wouldn't put it in. You wouldn't put it in? <laughs> it's not like they're counting. It's not like, no, 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 Cassie, you have to have something. And for the woman to look at her and be like, well, you have to have something. And that's awkward enough. And Cassie's like, no, my mom died. Points to Emma Roberts in childbirth. And by the way, Emma Roberts, Mary fucking Parker. Yep. Who's Carrie? the baby shower for, David? Peter. And- Peter fucking Parker, dude. And and uh, I'm going to get back to Dakota Johnson here in a second. But like the whole thing they did with Peter and May was so unbelievably stupid. They were like avoiding the name. Like they wouldn't say Peter. They wouldn't say May as if it was going to be some big reveal at the end. Like, oh, yeah, it was Peter Parker the whole time. It was oh, like them trying to be May subtle. Parker. Gee, he's dating May the whole time. Yeah. I never knew. Uh, oh my God. It's that Ben Parker. It's not another, but it's that Ben Parker. That makes sense. Awful. 
No. And because they were trying to be like subtle about it, it made it more terrible and obvious where it's like, oh, this is so cringy. Like, by the way, speaking of the games, the game for the guess the baby's name. What is that? Was just. And by the way, there were no parameters. Guess any name. Any name. No. Jeremiah. Nope. Starts with sounds like rhymes with absolutely nothing just just guess any name and we don't even hear peter we just we just the scene just ends well no well she's about to say peter but then ben comes in there's a fire at the docks at the pepsi station with the fireworks in it which again by the way by the way when they go to the initial fire when they go to that initial fire and she's giving chest compressions for five and a half minutes just just going going. dude just going to town Check his abdomen. <laughs> Good call. Who are these other EMTs? Who are these other people? What is that? But Mike Epps tries to tell the fireman, hey, you can't go in there. It's going to explode. This place yeah. is going to blow any minute. We can't go save those people. They're going to. What? Where do they go at the end of the movie? Days later. Back to the fireworks store. Back there. Yeah. And it's, it's a whole it's a whole like they're they're loading that thing up. What happened there? What happened there? <laughs> um, um, the wrong train thing with Dakota Johnson. When the guy gets in, hey, is this the right train? Oh. <laughs> I sure hope not, dick. What do you do? Who answers somebody like that? The guy asked what train he's on. I sure hope not. And then, yeah. but but for that guy to come back as she's walking through a different train, am yeah. I on the wrong train? I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> So funny. And then my favorite thing that Cassie, whatever her name is, Cassie Webb, sorry, not whatever her name is. How silly of me. Webb, of course. My favorite thing that Cassie Webb does is drive these three teenage girls into the woods and says, you know what, guys? Hang out. Three hours. I need three hours of your time. Just sit right here. Don't go to that diner 606 feet away. Don't go to that diner right there because it is right there. Warmth and shelter. it's a it's a one minute walk and a twenty minute drive yeah. just to get to that diner. <laughs> and you you want to know how we know that? You want to know? You I'm not just making that up. It's the length of the song "Toxic" by Britney Spears to walk there. Yes, in twenty minutes to drive there. Why was the drive so long? Why did it take forever? Well, she had to get around the log oh. truck. Oh, oh my know? gosh! Of course, on a highway, but. When she left, when she said, I'll be back in three hours, I threw my hands up. I was like, you're just going to leave them there and expect them not to leave. And I thought that was as bad as it was. No, no, no. Guys, guys, everybody calm down. I know you're scared. I know I've told you that I need to protect you. And I'm the only one that's giving you any sort of guidance here. I just need to go to Peru for a week. I just got it just just for a week. That's it. It's nothing crazy. Don't worry. My coworker will watch three 16-year-old girls for a week. Yeah, awesome. Ben gets to be an uncle now. All of the fun and none of the what? None responsibility. of the responsibility. Well, David, once you get that great power, great responsibility will follow. Yeah, because when you take on the responsibility, great power will come. That's what the guy says. That's what the Spider-Man says. The spider. Un- but you can't, you can't say Spider-Man in the movie. Spider-Person. Spider-Person. Spider people, spider thing. I know Taekwondo. <laughs> Ezekiel Sims in this movie is evil Spider-Man without web shooters. Don't get it twisted. Don't go into the movie thinking 
that he's something interesting or that he has any psychedelic abilities besides having a random ass dream and a very state of the art for 2003 state of the art computer graphic system where based on his memory, they're able to make three mock-ups of the three girls who are eventually going to kill him. And it all look exactly. That was one of the biggest laughs in my theater. My favorite thing looking back and laughing, and we're moving into losers. This is all over the place. But my it's favorite thing looking back and laughing is his assistant. Who is this person? Why is she there? Why is she Why is she around? Why? And, she and, to, and she's the person who's got in the chair. Every time she pushes back a little bit, he has two responses. These girls are going to kill me. Yep. Okay. <laughs> or when she when she finally pushes back at the most, she goes, hey. He goes, hey, I, I spent a lot of time stealing that stuff, so you better do it right. How is that supposed to motivate her in any way? Why no. does she give a fuck? She, she must have she must been paying. <laughs> she must have been getting paid very handsomely to be there. And she was getting paid a small fortune. Yeah. Um, Within his dope-ass apartment, by the way. Great Ooh. apartment. Ooh. I thought the apartment was maybe the winner of the movie. The so villain... Cool. The villain of this movie, Ezekiel, is one of the most astonishing things. It's it's the thing where, like, we'll have fun. We'll talk about Dakota Johnson having just the dumbest things to say and Cindy Sweeney having the dumbest things to say. Throws the bag of beef jerky. Cindy Sweeney, wait, we don't know how long that's been in there. Shut up. <laughs> Somebody just tried to kill you. <laughs> and by the way, that's who we're going to cast Sydney Sweeney as. That character, right? That girl. And I, don't think I will know. I will say, Matt, I do think this movie, because of how bad it is and because of how underutilized Sydney Sweeney is, I think she's still up for grabs in the MCU or any other franchise. I don't think this, I don't think this movie matters. This movie doesn't exist. Um, yeah. But the Ezekiel thing, and we're going to talk about it. Like We're going to laugh and we're going to have fun and talk about the crazy things. The ending, which is the most absurd thing you'll ever see in your life. The... But but then, like, anytime anybody talks about this movie, we'll laugh and talk about how bad it is, and then we'll get down to it for real. The ADR thing is, is this is, like, the most present and, like, in your face. They The people making this movie did not care. Mm-hmm. They did not. To, to have as, not just one or two, the unbelievable, like, majority of the scenes this bad guy's in it's not even just bad ADR. Like the bad ADR when he's off screen and talking, it's very present and there's no <laughs> there's no room tone, there's no anything. But the amount of times it is not even just him. It's a close up of his face and what he is saying is not the same words. It looks like a foreign film that's yeah. been dubbed over. It genuinely It does. It it is so in your face that they did not care if this movie was good or not like it's so present and to argue that they did would be an absurd thing because again it is one thing if it's off screen or behind the back and they're not matched up and you can kind of tell <laughs> and there are moments of that <laughs> there are real like close-ups of his face yeah when it's happening when he's in bed with the woman before he oh, kills her oh the one he picked up casually at the opera what oh, what you know when you go to the opera and pick up pick up a girl <laughs> how was that the scene 
He has no charisma, no nothing. Like he's just a he's just a he is a nothing character. The only time we see him really have any emotion is actually at the beginning with Constance, the mother mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the Amazon. And, she, and he's like, I want the spider, you know, and then the shooting was so wild when it's present day. It's he's all just I dreamt these girls are going to kill me and is on some random rampage, which I mean, I will say I, I think it's for a villain. I think it might be the worst motivation and one of the worst plot lines in one of these movies ever. I, I genuinely think Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like, well, they don't I mean, even get into why. They don't no, I mean, even get into the why. No, like there's no, there's no nothing. He just, and it's all like the movie. There's always there. There can be very clever ways to get different characters that you've, you know, written for a movie to interact with each other, right? Like get these heroes together, get these villains together. How are we going to connect these characters? The connections in this movie, which is supposed to be the strength of this movie if you think about it. it like the connections that are made between cassie and the rest of the girls and to the mother and to the spider people is supposed to be the strength of the film they make i mean they're absolutely nonsensical like they're truly nonsensical and, and it all like so for biggest loser i would say the villain because everything about the villain is terrible his, uh, his suit sucks his abilities are just Spider-Man, and I hate it. I hate every second of it. Awful. Ceiling, ceiling guy. Ceiling guy. Is a spider uh, person. Like, dude, he's literally just evil Spider-Man without the webs. I mean, he, he, if you don't, if besides Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, he just seems like the same old Spider-Man abilities. Like, he just, he, he was able to just capture a spider, not very Tasm 2 of him, you just get the spider, it bites you, and he's just he's just good to go. You know, he's just living his life, got the abilities, has a suit that he, I don't know if he made it or he got it or what. Doesn't have web slingers, never figured that part out. But he's just evil Spider-Man. And that's all we know. We, he has a dream. Girls are going to kill him. And that's it. Like, it, it really is remarkable. And the... I mean, there's no performance there. there I mean, there is, is no performance. This is like the most AI part of it. Like there is I mean, there is literally no performance to the extent like you just said, where what he actually said on set. I don't even know if it was his voice. I if you if I saw an interview with that actor, I would have no idea what he actually sounds like because I wouldn't know if that was his voice in the film because of how voiced over and ADR it was. It was. Truly unbelievable to watch. And, and you're so right. Like, it's the ADR and it's the editing of the film that makes you know no one really cared in post about this movie. They were just trying to get it out. They were just trying to push it out because apparently there's a mandate that these Sony Marvel movies are under two hours, like by the by the studio heads, like by the yeah. executives, um, which we've seen through and through. And this was actually the longest one. So that's what's crazy about it, too. Madam Web is actually the longest Sony Spider-Man spinoff movie. And even then, they're cutting all of these corners and cutting so many scenes to try to trim it down. And it's it's it leaves us with just a truly nonsensical mess. This guy was in Napoleon. Um, I would be surprised if he didn't speak English. Early yeah. one. It's I'm it's. It's so in your face that they don't care. It's unbelievable. And and just to close this thing up, the ending, the 
the ending <laughs> when she has just been a horrible person this entire time. She's mean to people. She's mean to everybody. Yeah. Everybody she talks to, she is mean to. And at the end of the movie, when she's blind because a fireball hit her in the face. Um, yeah, you know, she's paralyzed. Are you guys immediate that? family? They're mine. She completely changes to like Professor X. Like yeah. it's insane. I see Tries you guys be. doing this and the wheelchair looks awful. The glasses look awful. Everything yeah. about it is just genuinely gut-wrenchingly bad. There's going to be so many or there's going to be a SNL skit about this. Oh, soon. Yeah. Many of them, I would say. Yeah. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, that's Madam Web. It's 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 a must see. If you were a comic book movie fan, I, I, I mean this with my heart. If you like comic book movies, you have to see this. You have to see this movie for two reasons. One, it is fun to laugh at. Like some of the lines are genuinely funny to hear said out loud. Yeah. How would you know if you can climb a wall if you've never tried it before? Yep. Us strays got to stick together. What? The bird? The bird bird just violently crashing into the window. (laughs) By the way, how I mean, I you know what's crazy is I still don't know how Madam Webb's powers work. She takes a a spiritual trip to the Amazon in the middle of the movie. Well, she found the exact spot because she had the picture. She had the map, briefcase, Philip Phillips. She gets there and uh Spider Man God Mm -hmm. speaks Jesus. Spider Jesus speaks to her and says to her, when you take on the responsibility, great power will come. And the ability that she unlocks is not cooler than what she's been doing in the movie already, which is time traveling. It is being able to astral project and and do nothing, basically. And to kind of help. (laughs) To kind of help. And that's about it. And uh, it's almost like she astral projected to each of them and said, hey, you got to get up now. And they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. OK, like, hey, it, it's time. And by the way, I well, will say in the 30 seconds we got of the spider women suits and their abilities, they looked cooler than anything we saw from Adam Webb in the entire movie. It would be cooler if they didn't show them literally assassinating somebody at the very beginning of the movie. Like they, yeah. they killed that guy. <laughs> In a very Johnson big way. Like, it was always me. Awful. But anyway, must see for comic book movie fans because it is fun to watch. But also, this needs to be a reset for people when they watch a blockbuster or a comic book movie. There are some not great comic book stuff. Like, like Secret Invasion isn't good. No. It's not bad like this. No. This is bad there there's a difference between bad as far as like what they did is bad and like poorly made a disappointment this is poorly made yeah and and i i i just stand on this like the adr thing is such an unbelievable f you to anybody watching the movie it really is like you spent your money on this we don't care yeah it's a great we point. just don't care if this is good, bad, whatever. I, and that's why I'm just so perplexed. Who is making these? Yeah. Who is deciding that this let's keep and we're getting two more. Yeah. This year. Yeah. And 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 what's sad is for me, I do have a little bit more hope for Craven and for Venom 3. As crazy why? as that sounds. I the trailer for Craven didn't. I mean, even after watching Morbius, 
at least I think the movie will have action. Sure. It will be a more simplistic plot because that, that this Madam Web is partially bad because it tries the the story the, the just the the baseline of what the story is trying to be is a jumbled mess. So every branch that breaks off of that trunk of the tree is a disaster. And the farther you get out, the worse it gets. This movie ends with a I mean, it was genuinely felt like it was made in 2003 in many ways. Horrible. More like 1993. With Madam Webb in this Walmart-esque suit with these sunglasses and this like moment. And she's like, you know the best part about the future? Hasn't happened. Yet. It hasn't happened. Well, duh. What? And and like we and she's astral projecting again. There's a spider woman. It's like, what was the it's just like, what was the point of any of this? Like. And I mean, we've made a, like the winner, Dakota Johnson, and and the, her portrayal. Why it's was so da- funny. why was Dakota Johnson, Madam Web? <laughs> like she she felt like it's so obvious in the movie she had no interest in being there, and she has nothing about her personality in the movie that makes her really heroic. Mm-mm. She feels a certain way about saving the kids because she sees she literally has visions of what's about to happen of their necks being snapped. And isn't a complete psycho and just lets it happen. She actually tries to, like, protect them a little bit. Well, no, she tries to get rid of them immediately. But then they have another one of just the worst scenes. Anybody who needs to get out, get out. Well, actually, you're the only ones here. So you can't cut to next scene. <laughs> like, yeah. it's insane. It's insane. You know what um, I liked? Hmm. I think, you know what? Retroactively, I think the biggest winner of this entire uh, movie might have been the uh the the guys that were hanging out at the the diner they did absolutely nothing and got three girls to stand on the table and start dancing well sydney sweeney you know she's and been, they did absolutely nothing yeah i know it's the the entire movie sydney sweeney is not only the like the only one that wants to listen and follow the rules she's the only one she sees guys and completely changes to a completely different person. As soon as they did that, I'm like, oh, God. It's awful. Um, I will say the only one cool scene was when the Spider-Man was taking out the cops across the the platform there. It's like 10 seconds. But when he's like jumping across and taking yeah. out the cops well, the one at a time, very Raimi-esque. Right. Like, but, but that 10 seconds. Yeah. Literally. That's what I mean. Like the, the fact that there's no action, like the I would say the main action sequence with our hero Madam Webb is when she runs the attack like the car, the yeah, the taxi through the diner. Right? I mean well, hold on. <laughs> she does that after failing the first time, and she goes, All right, let's try that again. Cracks her neck. Let's do it. <laughs> she gets there later than the first time. <laughs> she did worse. And like the the idea, the concept of like the Groundhog Day thing, reliving over and over. I hated how in the movie they never really fully gave us a grasp of how her powers even worked. In in this kind of situation, you need to give us some kind of like click rhythm, uh, like a, a time you have before you see the future and how you can get back. Like there has to be, there needs to be time involved with time travel. And they didn't have that in this film. And it's completely random. Like, it, eh. I hated it. I hated it, too. Hopefully, we never think about it again. But I'm going to close this off. Oh, yeah, no, right. 
I'm going to close this off with my favorite line of the whole movie. Is when uh, they offer up the beef jerky and Cindy Sweeney goes, well, we don't even know how long it's been in there. Which is such a weird thing to say. And Dakota Johnson's response is, well, if you don't like that, you better get used to eating berries and squirrels. And and then uh, Maddie goes, who do you think we are? Martha Stewart? And Cindy goes, you know, it really is a shame what happened to Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> that was That's the best so line. so funny. Um, one thing before we get out of here, I do want to shout out, um, Adam Scott, Ben Parker, who to me was the highlight of the movie in terms of, uh, the actors that are taking place in Madam Web. I actually appreciate it. I just, I like Adam Scott and he was just doing the Adam Scott thing. I like to go to Johnson. (laughs) I, 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 she's kind of a dick, but (laughs) I, I like Dakota Johnson, like totally different roles. Like Adam Scott was actually. He was the only one in this movie to me that was like that casting makes sense. Even Emma Roberts as like the mom kind of nowadays makes some sense, but she's just the ter- she's she's a nothing actress or she's a nothing character. I mean, um, nothing to do besides you know having being the mom of Peter Parker without being the mom of Peter Parker doesn't even matter. Um, Our first ever live portrayal of Mary Parker since Tasm. Yeah, well, yeah, and Richard's gone. Oh well, May- yeah, no, he's off in somewhere. I don't even know. <laughs> You're a month business. away from having a kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with Adam Scott, this leads to one of my favorite lines, which actually vehemently made me um, angry in the moment. But I'll mm-hmm. just say it's my favorite one of my favorite lines right now. Dakota Johnson looks at Adam Scott and goes, "What? You've never been shot in Queens, or shot at in Queens? Well, you've never been shot in Queens. Who flips off an ambulance?" Jesus. <laughs> These are all real lines of the movie. And, okay. and, 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 and there's a part where she's going through the book and she literally is like, DNA, peptides, peptides, peptides. <laughs> it just goes through pages of the peptides, man. The the fact that we got, like, I think Madam Webb, to wrap this up, makes me makes my blood boil the most and makes it the most egregious Spider-Man spinoff movie is because we get not one, but two callbacks to great power, great responsibility. Have you ever been shot at in Queens? We have a Spider-Man and you never hear Spider-Man. We have actual Spider-Man being born in Peter Parker. We have a scene where she tries to climb up a wall. There's a briefcase. And at the end of the day, this movie did the worst job of trying to make it make it important because it has something to do with Spider-Man without having anything to do with Spider-Man. And while these are supposed to be meaningful homages and winks and callbacks and the fact that Uncle Ben is in it and Mary Parker is in it. It made it, it made me so mad as a Spider-Man fan because you are spitting on the lore of Spider-Man. You are you are taking your brass boot and stomping on it and just doing the wiggle on it. Argyle. From Argyle. <laughs> and Spider-Man 3. And just just I mean, you're you, genuinely this this movie just spits and shits on Spider-Man. And that yeah. And, it, and if the movie doesn't understand that it does that, it's just more lost than I could ever even imagine. By the logic of this movie, Peter Parker never becomes Spider-Man because he has to get bit by one of those spiders specifically. Yeah. 
No, no. In like this, those specific spiders. Well, to be fair, one thing, Madam Web, I actually kind of liked is that it's seemingly in its it's in its own branched universe. It's sure. not in the SSU at it all. Bother. It, it didn't get in the way of anything. No. I do not care if we see any of these characters ever again. Oh, no, we won't. No, no. It's just it, exactly. There is some of that. We're like, there is. Okay. I will say the one, the one reason I would say Morbius is a worse movie is because of the post credit scene. Michael Keaton. Exactly. Yeah, like that. It gets in the way of our shit. Right. Whereas this is more fundamentally um, appalling to Spider-Man fans. That is messing with our actual live action cinematic universes. Yeah. But this is just on its own being offensive to people who like the characters. I know Taekwondo, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Madam Web. Next week, we will do some sort of uh, sci-fi related draft as we get ready for Dune 2. Until then, we'll see you next time.